listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Hello and welcome to this episode of Let the Bible Speak. I'm glad you can join us again and do please get in touch and let us know if the program is being a benefit to your soul. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address again is malvernfpc at yahoo.com. Today we're looking at a subject that doesn't get much attention. It is a subject of apostasy. Apostasy speaks of a falling away, of a departing from the faith. We might think about a a church organization being apostate. We might consider perhaps a church body, a denomination that once was faithful to the gospel, but turned away from the gospel. We might call them an apostate denomination. But what about the individual? Is it possible for a child of God to fall away? We believe that those who are the sheep of Christ, according to John 10, shall never perish. We believe, according to Romans chapter 8, that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And yet Hebrews refers on a couple of occasions at least to the possibility of falling away from the faith. And that's not just restricted to Hebrews, but it's also taught in the book that we're considering at this time. So I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4, and the opening verses of this chapter, and I trust it will be benefit to your hearts today. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with an hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God. And prayer. Well, let us pray and ask for God's help as we consider these verses today. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that speaks to our hearts day by day. And we pray that this broadcast would be a benefit to all who hear. And that perhaps it might come as a word of warning and admonition or a word of encouragement to others. Whatever the need may be, may your word find good ground, a good heart, and that would bring forth good fruit. And so bless us now as we consider the Bible and let the Bible speak today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so as I said, the subject of apostasy has not been given the coverage that perhaps it should have been. On the one hand, there are those within the Christian body who wholeheartedly affirm the preservation of the saints by the grace of God. They believe that adage, which is often referred to, the adage that is once saved, always saved. Oh, there are others who believe that a Christian can fall away. But even in those circles, there 
uh, perhaps is not the full understanding of what that concept involves. Apostasy speaks of a departing from the faith. That's the term that Paul uses in chapter 4 and the first verse of 1 Timothy, where he says that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. He's saying this because the Spirit has said this. The verse begins, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that there is clarity in the word of prophecy under the inspiration of the Spirit of God that in the latter times there shall be some who shall depart from the faith. Paul is here referring to individuals, those who succumb to deception and then turn away from the faith. There are some questions that we have to ask. Is it possible for a true believer to experience this? When might a true believer experience this? Is this a warning for Paul's day only? Or is it a warning for the end of the age only? Or is it a warning for all times? So there's a number of things that are certainly intriguing as we look at this text together, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Remember, in the context, Paul has a tremendous concern for the church. He's writing these words that they would know how to behave themselves in the house of God. And the house of God, he calls it the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And when we contemplate this matter of departing from the faith, it has particular focus with regards to the truth, the truth of the gospel. So let's let's begin our studies by considering an examination of apostasy. There are a few things that I'd like to consider with you. Let's begin by thinking about its nature. What, what is apostasy? Well, I've said already, it is a departure from the faith. In the language of Paul in 1 Timothy, this word depart, it involves a leaving or a moving away. It's used in that way in a very practical sense in Acts chapter 15, uh, when Paul and Barnabas are discussing the future ministry of John Mark, Paul thought it not good to take John Mark with them. And the reason is given in verse number 38 of Acts 15, who departed from them from Pamphylia. John Mark had gone with Paul and Barnabas on that missionary journey, and he had left them, he had departed from them. And so we're seeing this, this word depart has the sense of leaving or moving away from something. Here in First Timothy 4, it is to move away or depart or leave the faith. In a similar way, Paul refers to this in Hebrews chapter 3, in the verse 12, where he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. There's departure again. This time it's a spiritual departure, and it is a departure from the living God. Here in 1 Timothy, the departure is from the faith. Now, when you read the word faith in the New Testament, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the nature of the faith that Paul is referring to? Is he referring to subjective faith, the faith that we possess whereby we lay hold upon the Lord? Or is he referring to objective faith, the body of truth that is the gospel? The word faith is used Regarding that objective body of truth, several times in the word of God, Jude and the verse number three, 
where Paul says he exhorts the believers to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And clearly there, the faith is something which has been transmitted from God to the saints. It's not referring to their personal trust in God. It's referring to the content of the gospel delivered to them from the Lord. And so it was in Acts 13, where Elymas the sorcerer is seeking to turn away the deputy. Sergius Paulus has come to trust in Christ, but Elymas's purpose is to turn away the deputy from the faith. And it's a reference to the body of truth. He's seeking to turn this man away from the truth that he has received. We've also got the words of Acts chapter 14 in the verse number 22, where it says there, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. It's a reference to a, a body of doctrine, that they would not depart from the objective truth of the gospel. And so in 1 Timothy 4, in the verse 1, when Paul says there are those who depart from the faith, he is speaking of those who are turning away from the truth of the gospel. Hence, the faith referred to here is really synonymous with the truth that's referred to in verse number 15 of the previous chapter. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. That truth particularly relates to the person of Christ. And this departure is a departure from that truth. It is a departure from the faith. And so the nature of the apostasy here is referring to some who once followed the Lord, who once confessed their own a personal belief in the gospel and now they have left aside that gospel truth they are now those who deny the truth they deny the faith now we should be warned about such a possibility the spirit here ex speaks expressly these are these are not the words of a man but the spirit is warning us that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith we should watch our souls carefully here were individuals who once were confessing truth. They were confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. They were confessing the truths regarding Christ. And now they are departing from the faith. Well, that's the nature of apostasy. What is its occasion? When is this said to happen? Again, Paul tells us that's in the latter times. Now, immediately, we might be inclined to think of this phrase the latter times to refer to the days just prior to the return of Christ. The last days, the latter times has often been used in that regard in American evangelicalism in the past 100 years or so. I do believe, and I think I can show you in the word of God, that the latter times and the last days do not only refer to the immediate days leading up to Christ's return, but they refer to the entire period of time from the time of Christ's ascension all the way through to his second coming. Peter is preaching in Jerusalem. He's preaching on the day of Pentecost. On that day, the Spirit of God is poured out and there's a challenging, what's happening? Why are these men speaking in strange tongues? How come we understand what they're saying? They must be drunk. And Peter Peter deals with that particular challenge and he uses the book of Joel and he quotes from Joel and it says in the verse number 16 of Acts 2 and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh 
What he's saying is that the prophecy of Joel is now being fulfilled. And that is as it is being fulfilled. So therefore, these are the last days in which this prophecy would be fulfilled. Furthermore, Hebrews chapter 1, the writer there tells us, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And God has spoken to us by his Son in the last days of which the writer to Hebrews is living in. So the point that I want you to understand here is that this warning of departure from the faith does not just refer to the period of time just prior to Christ's return. Undoubtedly, at that time, the time of Christ's return, we will have seen a falling away first. Paul teaches that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in the verse number 3, uh, that Christ will not return except there come a falling away first. There, there will be apostasy and a turning away from the faith. But what is true in the immediate time prior to Christ's return is true in part in the entire period known as the last days or the latter times. Paul warns the believers that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3. In such times men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and so forth. He gives this warning of the last days when men essentially are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. There is the potential for apostasy in all ages. And at this point, I, I just want to assert that this apostasy is not by those who were genuinely born again of the Spirit of God. You cannot be born again and be unborn again. You cannot be made alive in Christ and return back to your death in Adam. The nature of conversion and the nature of regeneration is so radical that the individual who experiences these things, they are changed forevermore. But there are those within the body of the church who may profess allegiance to the faith, who may profess allegiance to the truth of the gospel, but they may fall away without ever having possessed the reality in their soul. There is no root within them and they are cast away as they depart visibly from the faith which they once professed. And so perhaps there may be someone listening to my words today, and there was a time in which they walked with the Lord. There was a time in which they professed to trust the gospel, to believe that the only way to be saved from sins was through the work of Christ. But now they have They've cast all of that away. Now they're, they're walking in darkness. Well, if, if that describes you today, I, I encourage you. I encourage you, get right with God. Give your soul to the one who loved sinners and gave himself for the well-being of sinners. And so this apostasy in its nature is a departing from the faith. Its occasion is in these latter times. The origin is really devilish. Those who depart from the faith, they do so because they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Those who depart from the faith 
do not suddenly believe nothing. They believe something, but they believe something that is not of the gospel of the faith. Now, that something will vary from party to party. There'll be a different form and different ways. We have in the content of First Timothy chapter 4, this departure involves a, an asceticism, a desire to please God by forbidding marriage and abstaining from meats. Their, their desire essentially is to earn and to enjoy the favour of God through their ascetic lifestyle. That's not the gospel. And so they've departed from the faith. But others may depart from the faith to enter into all manner of other unbelief. Even the atheist cannot be said to believe nothing. They believe in the intrinsic ability of man to understand reality. They believe those things. They believe in the ability of man to do good without any divine intervention. There is no lack of faith in the atheist. It is just a different sort of faith. But all faiths outside the gospel are demonic in origin. There is error in this world. And error ultimately comes in its source from the devil himself. The terms used here are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The devil is the father of lies. He is the murderer from the beginning and he murders people through his deception. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul has given some details regarding the benefit of the teaching ministry to the body of Christ. Teaching ministry provokes maturity, that we've been henceforth no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There are those sowing false doctrine in the world. They are lying in wait. They are like the wild animal hiding, lurking to pounce upon the prey. And they're lying in wait in such a way to deceive unsuspecting souls who are not grounded in the truth. But what is interesting is that term to lie in wait to deceive is used only in one other place in the New Testament. And it's chapter 6 of Ephesians. And it's used in the term the wiles of the devil. And so those who are seeking to deceive through false doctrine, they are doing the devil's work. It is the devil who says at the opening part of the Bible, hath God said. So we understand from that that the devil is continually seeking to undermine the veracity and the integrity of the word of God. And so there are those in every age, in every part of the latter times, who will come alongside those who are professing the faith and they will pull them aside with all of their deceptions and all of their errors. Those deceptions may be unto works righteousness. They may be unto some sort of sacramentalism whereby they would teach that you can be saved through church ordinances and and church procedures. There may be all manner of other false doctrines, but they will deny the truth regarding the person and work of Christ Jesus. So you have apostasy from the faith as people give heed to the lies of the evil one. What is the outcome of this apostasy? Well, it affects both the lives of individuals and their lips. The outcome of apostasy is that it propagates false teaching. Verse 2 says that those who depart from the faith, they speak lies in hypocrisy. Here's the false teaching. 
that as they leave the truth, so they tell others the falsehoods that they've embraced. It's a very serious thing. The apostate, the one who departs from the faith, has a tremendous impact upon the lives of others. And once more, if that describes you, uh, your actions have not only damaged your own soul, but you've put other souls in peril. May God give you the grace to repent and, and seek that forgiveness that's found only in the cross of Christ. The outcome of false teaching, also false living. They speak the lies in hypocrisy. They've seared their conscience with a hot iron. They are those who are living a lie. They are expecting people to live in one way when they will not live that way themselves. In the context, we see that these false teachers are promoting a very strict ascetic lifestyle. No marriage, no meats. That's what they're advocating to be the standard of God. And yet Paul is saying, no, you're living a lie. And you're speaking these lies in hypocrisy. And so are these matters of these false standards. And the verse makes it clear that these were not according to the will of God. They had no right to forbid marriage. And they had no right to commend the abstinence uh, from meats. So much of this passage has to do with a particular historical context. But it does open our eyes opens our minds to understand something of the nature of apostasy, that it is possible for people within the professing church to at one time hold on to a confession of faith that is true and orthodox, and then they depart from that and they are falling into error. And such a fall is to the peril of their never-dying soul. So in light of this examination of apostasy, what can I say to you to encourage you in your life at this time? Well, let me let me press upon you the importance of knowing the truth. The antidote to apostasy is the truth of God, the source of which is in the word of God alone. If the devil is out to deceive, then the greatest prevention of listening to the devil is to ensure that we heed the word of God only. Oh, the word of God must be rightly interpreted it must be rightly understood. But if any teaching is not found in the word of God, then it must be rejected. We must, as God's people, be people fully committed to the word of God. That we will not listen to the lie of Satan. That would suggest that there are parts of the Bible that can be dispensed with. Or there are parts of the Bible that are less true than others. No, we must be wholehearted in our allegiance to the truth of God's word and to the fact that God's word contains the truth regarding the gospel of Christ. And so the people of God, they must be determined to hear gospel truth, to read and hear the gospel expounded from the word of the Lord. Remember how the last chapter ended? Uh, Paul describes the truth as that which pertains to the mystery of godliness Namely, God manifest in the flesh in the person of Christ. And so we must be in the word and we must understand the word as it teaches the truth of Jesus Christ. So let me end by reminding you about my Saviour. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He came into this world as the Son of God, taking to himself a true human nature uh, without removing any part of his divine nature. He is the God-man, very God and very man, 
and he is the one mediator between God and man. He is the only saviour of sinners. And as he came into the world, he obeyed the law of God perfectly, procuring for his people a righteousness, whereby those who trust in him can indeed have a righteousness, not their own. And as he lived, he lived in obedience to death, even the very death of the cross. And as he died upon that cross, he paid the price of sin in full. He cried upon the tree, it is finished. As he experienced being forsaken of the Father, so he cried, it is finished. So that those who trust in him can know full salvation from all of their sins. And this suffering Saviour, who bled and died on Calvary, was buried in a clean tomb. And as he was buried in that tomb, so the third day he rose again victorious o'er the grave. Praise his name, we serve a risen Saviour. He ascended to the right hand of God, and at the right hand of God he ever lives to make intercession for us. This is the gospel according to the word of God. This is the good news that we should value and hold dear. In the language of the wise man of Proverbs, we must buy the truth and sell it not. I urge you, upon the ground of the word of God, I urge you not to depart from the faith today. And if you're listening, and at this point in your life, you have still not confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, I encourage you, turn from your sins, See Christ in the Bible as the only saviour of sinners and rest on him, trust in him and receive him as your saviour today that you would know peace with God and life everlasting. May the Lord be pleased to touch your heart. The faith, the faith of the gospel is the only way whereby a man can be saved. And may God bless his word to your souls today for his name's sake. Let me lead you in a closing word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for the faith that has been delivered to the saints. We thank you for the truth of the gospel that has been shown to us in your word. And we ask, O Lord, for all listening, that you would give them the grace to hold dearly, hold tightly to the truth, and not turn away from that which is unto godliness and unto salvation. And so encourage us in the word today. Bless our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.